0: you are listening to future voices a podcast brought to you by beha futures foundation
1: thank you for tuning in to futures voices a podcast brought to you by bosnia and Herzegovina futures foundation we explore the fascinating lives of Bosnians and Herzegovinians doing incredible things all over the world. My name is Eddie Chustovic and I'll be your host for today. Last episode, I promised the word Netflix would play a big part in our next podcast and you're about to find out why. Our next guest was born in a beautiful town of Bihac and raised and schooled in Italy after moving there in 1993. She landed her first job at the age of 14 as a waitress in the towns only cafe. Like many refugee families, the beginning was very difficult, and she was eager to contribute financially to her family as soon as she could. Since then, she took on so many different roles and so many different jobs, working for microcredit financial providers, picking grapes for wineries, managing events for expats in the Netherlands. She studied foreign languages and communication at the University of Padua, and relocated to the Netherlands in 2015 to complete a master's in consultancy and entrepreneurship at the Rotterdam Business School. Shortly after graduating, she landed a role with Align Technologies, where she focused on talent acquisition. And at the end of 2019, she landed a role with household entertainment name, Netflix. At Netflix, she's leading the people analytics and tools for Europe, Middle East and Africa, the EMEA region. She's combining art and science to equip the human resources team with the tools, knowledge and data acumen to do their best work with the employees and candidates. She's focused on automation, product development, system integrations, with an aim of creating more space for HR teams to add real value and create meaningful connections. Her goal is to equip future generations with the personal development tools needed to succeed by creating the best careers and lives for themselves. Everyone, please welcome Melita Kurtović to Future's Voices. Melita, it's a pleasure to have you here. It is
0: my pleasure to be here, Eddie. Thank you so, so much for having me.
1: It's such an impressive uh, biography for someone so young. And uh, we always like to sort of get to know you a little bit before we get into all of the fancy questions regarding your career. And so I'm going to start you off with some of our rapid fire Q&A questions to really let our guests know that there's a real human hiding behind the early career success Uh, that you've had so far. So in our 2020 questions that we pose, please feel free to be as wild with your answers as you like. and It's a good way to really be transparent about who you are. So I'm going to start you off and ask you who your biggest hero is.
0: Um, My biggest hero is my mother. Uh, That may be a very obvious answer for most and the reason why is my mother is that she went through so, so much hardship and she was able to raise myself my brother as very gr- good adults and uh, she's just
1: amazing at this given moment if you could be anywhere in the world where would it be
0: oh at this given moment i would be somewhere on the seaside in sardinia
1: sounds like a beautiful place to be yeah <laughs> What is your biggest fear?
0: Stopping my learning journey, so not learning anything anymore.
1: If you had a time machine where you are right now and you could step into it and travel back a few hundred years, who would you have liked to have met and had dinner with, a historical figure?
0: Oh, I think it's Cleopatra, well, the queen of Egypt.
1: Nice. What really makes you angry and frustrates you?
0: um lack of empathy when i see people not having empathy that really frustrates me a lot
1: what is your favorite food from back home
0: oh there's plenty um i'd say favorite one is uh, definitely sarayevski cebap
1: nice and what about from the italian part where you live
0: ah there's still plenty there and i would say
1: hmm <laughs>
0: A good plain pasta with uh, cherry tomatoes.
1: I'm getting hungry already thinking about <laughs> yeah, those yeah. dishes. <laughs> now, have you ever had a nickname and what was it?
0: My nickname is Meli. It's just a shortening of my, my actual name.
1: Okay, so we'll know what to call you for the rest of the interview. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> What's your favorite music genre?
0: I don't have one. I love music in general and it really depends on my mood, what I'm gonna to choose to listen to. But I must admit in the past uh, five or six years, I really became fond of uh, folk uh, um, Balkan music.
1: <laughs> How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? One hour. What's the longest you've gone without sleep? Ooh,
0: I think a couple of days in my young and wild uh, youth years.
1: <laughs> Talking about those uh, wild and young days? Uh, in your youth uh, what I want to know is what's the craziest thing that you've ever done
0: before I was leaving for the Netherlands um,
1: to start my master's
0: I I took off with a friend and we went to the seaside like for three days I didn't let anyone know I was just like living wild and free and then I came back on Sunday and on Monday I was flying back and my parents were like very upset with me I'd say (laughs)
1: I bet but I, th- I think you need that sort of pause before you take on another big journey in your life so that's completely right? understandable <laughs> what's your favorite movie of all time
0: favorite movie but it, um, it's American History X like that's the one that really touched me and like it when I think about a
1: movie I think about that one great movie no doubt about it do you collect anything or have you collected anything over the years and what is it
0: I collect gems. I collect gemstones so every time I travel somewhere I go there purchase a gem
1: or um,
0: yeah gems.
1: Nice. Uh, I must say probably an expensive hobby, but nevertheless uh, a very impressive <laughs> one. so Okay, uh, we know about your first first job, but what was the biggest mistake you made on that first job that you had? The, the first job you ever worked?
0: yes yes so the biggest mistake oh my god like I think it was the first day and I was serving red wine to a table of yeah to a group of people there's there was a lady wearing all white and well balance was not on my side that day so I spilled the red wine on her and it was like Horror, because it was of course my first day. She was super nice. She she was like, oh, it's okay, things happen. But yeah, that was uh, that
1: was a tough one. Not not a not a great way to start a career in catering, for sure. And last of all, what's your proudest achievement?
0: Was being able to come to the Netherlands, start from zero, and really being able to start a career in here.
1: I'd have to say that's quite impressive. uh, Taking a risk like that and making a move in your career, so impressive. Thank you so much, Melita. We've gone through those rapid fire questions and now we're going to get into the meaty part, the juicy part, which is unraveling uh, your early career, the success that you had, and perhaps talk about some of those uh, interesting topics of reinventing yourself and talking about transferable skills. But before we get into that, I'm quite interested, uh, looking at your biography, many people would say that, of course, you work at Netflix in such a household name and everyone would normally light up and say, oh, Netflix. But what what really got me was your work ethic is incredible. Uh, Obviously, having worked for many, many years, someone that started working so early, I was very impressed with that work ethic. And it's a standout feature that we really admire. Where do you think this work ethic comes from? What, What was it in your life that really pushed you to say, I have to do this?
0: Well, I think to start with, I always had those kind of examples. I had my parents that were always working super hard, working weekends. So uh, it was just what I saw as normal uh, when I was growing up. And then um, while I was growing up, I realized that that was the only way to kind of um, change my family's uh, um, future my household's name future so to say working hard and really uh, pushing uh, uh, all my limits to get where i want to be
1: yeah absolutely i think parents can be so inspirational for children oh really God, to pick yes. up pick up really good uh, hobbies along the way and see that, that work ethic really is driven from the household. You learn the hard way, so it's great to see that. Now, having worked so many different jobs, uh, what would you say are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned, not about the jobs that you're currently doing with your professional, let's say, education, but prior to your professional development, what were some of the biggest lessons that you've drawn from having worked so many different types of roles? And why is it important for young people, irrespective of what they study, to get involved and learn how to earn and learn how to learn?
0: Great question. Um, I think my biggest learning there was like um, the idea of seeking discomfort versus um, appreciating and staying in the comfort zone. And what I mean by that is oftentimes, especially at the very beginning, I was fairly shy. Maybe I wasn't able to to sell the way I, I would want to or my bosses would want me to. Um, And the only way to to push through those and to grow was actually every time I would feel that sense of fear or or discomfort, um, walking towards it rather than running away from it. And the reason why I think this is really, really important for anyone who's trying to build their own career and build their own life is that that's where we grow, right? Like when you find your discomfort point, you move forward from that that's where your actual growth happens so that's definitely a big um, big lesson for me
1: yeah they say you know the comfort zone uh, is great but nothing ever grows there so (laughs) you got to get out of that comfort zone and uh, so would you say that you were or you said shy would you say that you were introverted as a as a young individual in comparison to now did you get out of that uh, introversion or was it just the fact that you didn't have the experience in being so communicative at that point
0: I think there's one the experience piece. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Uh, And second, I I think I wasn't confident. It wasn't even introversion or extroversion. I did not believe in myself. Um, And like even the context where I was growing was very you're Italian, you're not Italian. So I, I just was like in a place where I didn't see my real value and my true potential. And the way I discovered this was, well, by making tons of mistakes, but really by trying things that I didn't know how to do.
1: Oh, absolutely. And talking about mistakes in the early stages, I think many refugee families that moved to various places made a lot of mistakes along the way, but also in the end, that's what created that resilience resilience. I want to just go back a little bit in time and talk about, you know, you moved to Italy, obviously your family, I believe you were very young when you moved to Italy. What was it like growing up uh, in Italy as a refugee family? Do you you recall a lot of these early memories?
0: Um, I do. I do. So it was... um... It was interesting. It was twofold. Italy was very, very welcoming. I mean, lots of people helped us set ourselves up, um, helped my father find jobs and all that. So there was that side of it. But there was also um, a side where we were still um, at a time where Italy was a lot uh, full of, of course, Italians, but they weren't used to foreigners, right? And they weren't used to the idea of uh, a world that is multifaceted and filled with people from different places. So at that stage, I was like in an exist- existential crisis, so to say, where I was like, I am Bosnian, but like, I wasn't able to accept that to the extent I should have because I the world around me was like oh so your surname is not Italian so where are you from you're not one of us and all those things and that was like really in the young years of when when it hurts the most really so it was difficult to deal with that then as soon as I started university of course things have, things changed I went to a bigger city and all that sense of uh, racism so to say was gone but it was tough to grow up and um, own my identity um, as Bosnian person uh, who lives in Italy
1: while I was there. So the fact that you studied in Italy and in the Netherlands, uh, can you draw a little bit of a comparison between the two education systems, obviously at the higher education level, given the fact that that's what you studied? What are the differences that are very observable?
0: Um, Well, um, in Italy, uh, we were very focused on theory, um, on literature, on um, history, right? So a lot of focus was on the past. What I've seen in the Netherlands instead was a lot of focus on practice, uh, uh, on teamwork, uh, on activities that would develop your skills rather than building knowledge, if that makes
1: sense. Oh, absolutely it does. And I think it's one of those characteristics of a modern education system. I think the Dutch are definitely one of the leaders in the world when it comes to that practicality and building more of the transferable enterprising skills despite the fact that you might have a specialization. That's one of the things that Bosnia and Herzegovina really needs to start adapting to as well. And hence why I always tend to ask the question about the comparison uh, between the two. But because you studied languages in Padua and then you went on to study something, let's say it builds on top of the languages, but there's not a natural sort of um, run towards what you did at your master's degree. What made you go from the languages that you studied, specialization there, to the business focus, the entrepreneurial focus uh, at at the Holland University?
0: Um, One was definitely the idea of uh, seeking to learn what I didn't know. Um, Finance, business uh, really scared me when I was uh, doing languages uh, because my education was very humanistic, right? So I was in a mindset of, well, humanistic is everything I know, everything that is outside of it, including numbers is not my thing. And then when I realized I had that thought, I was like, okay, that's not, not the way you should be thinking. Probably you should try something else. And then second is I went for a year abroad my last year of university in Italy. And I realized how much more there was out there. So I was living in a bubble where I thought, I'm studying languages, I'm gonna be a translator or a tour guide or whatever related to translation. And I didn't really see any other option. Or opportunity. Then, when I went abroad, I met, um, I met a super good friend of mine, and she was studying. Uh, um, she was doing an MBA in finance, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's such a cool world!" And she was telling me all about business, and that sparked my curiosity. And I realized that the idea I had of business was like uh, not even close to reality. And, uh, yeah, that's what's really made me uh, decide, hey, I don't want to I don't want to be in translation. I want to I want to try something new and let's see how that works.
1: I think what you've just mentioned there will be very interesting to a lot of people in Bosnia and Herzegovina. I mean, in the world in general, because what we are sort of advocating for in today's world is the fact that it doesn't really matter what you study. The study does not define your career uh, in the future. It, of course, can be a springboard. It can be an arsenal of tools that you can apply and use, but really continuous education is crucial and embracing what you perhaps fear or don't know is also part of your personal growth. So I wanted to touch on that a little bit more because we're talking about going into the world that you're in today. So you're in talent operations, you're working with a lot of people, you're essentially what we described in your bio, enabling HR experts to do their jobs better. How do people make that leap from where you were at the university level to where you are today? I mean, perhaps maybe a little bit of advice for some of our listeners who are currently studying humanities and thinking, this is all that I can ever do. What advice would you give them if they were in your situation when you were at the undergraduate level to be able to get the most out of their career?
0: I think networking is the biggest advice. Networking and continue learning, like keep on learning. I'm saying networking because both my jobs, like in the corporate world, I didn't get because I was applying as crazy for like those specific companies. Um, I was applying for every every possible job that could suit me. But what really helped me was network. One, because if someone knows you on a personal level, it's going to be much easier for them to remember you and mention you to someone else. I think in the Netherlands, but I guess everywhere else, like 60 or 70% of the jobs happen thanks to networking. And it's not like the kind of referral that you get something out of it, it's more of like let people know you exist, let people know what you care for, let people know who you really are. And that's really gonna help um, when when you are at the time of seeking for a career. And then like the second portion of it is continue learning and never limit yourself to what you've studied. I mean, if I limited myself to foreign languages, um, I, I would have missed such a massive opportunity uh, just because I didn't try out something new. And of course, you can't continue trying something new your entire life. But anytime you have that, hmm, this could be interesting, but it also scares me. That's the moment where I personally try to go that direction and deep, deep um, dig deeper.
1: Yeah, networking can't be underestimated in today's world. I think there's a cultural shift going on in many countries where, uh, you know, being the the loud person, connecting with people, talking a lot, was frowned upon because you were told to read your books, study, sit exams, do what you need to do, get out and get a job. But the world's changed so much. And I think meaningful connections, connecting using these digital tools that we have. In fact, you and I wouldn't be connecting today, nor we would have connected without LinkedIn. So that was a good opportunity, but such an important element, being able to connect with people worldwide and learning from people as much as you learn from processes, from institutions and from the things that were are formally uh, seeing as a recognizable education going forward. And so you stepped into this world of talent operations, right? The first company that you went to to truly do that was Align Technology. Uh, stepping into that company would have been a completely different environment in comparison to what you did earlier. What were some of the early learnings in that particular job?
0: Well, the, uh, the early learnings, well, it was a lot, obviously, because I did not have that um, corporate experience. And I think. One of those was really be confident, like stand up for yourself and really understand that if if I was there in that company, there was a reason. Right. And as a starter, I think oftentimes um, there's that sense of uh, imposter syndrome that kicks in and you're like, hmm, Maybe I'm not good for the job, but maybe I don't have the skills and all that. Um, and having that confidence and really working on building the compet- confidence of setting your ground and showing your colleagues what your value is, uh, was definitely one big lesson learned. Second one is saying no. As a starter, I think like you want to prove yourself. And to prove yourself, the easiest route seems to be say yes to everything. Um, but I mean, you probably know that um, that's not the route, right? Because Absolutely. the more yeses we say, the more deliverables you have. So knowing where to, you know, um, put your boundaries. This is, this I can do, this I can't do right now, this I may do in the future. So that when you establish yourself uh, as a professional who knows how to respect their own time. And second, you can focus on meaningful deliverables.
1: I, I'm as guilty of that as anyone else. Uh, I'm a yes man. I say yes, I have problems saying no to people. So I often get myself into more work than I should. Um, the fact that you love your job is always a good thing, but there's limits to the human being and what we can deliver. Because ultimately, as you said, a lot of deliverables and people often forget that those deliverables have to be delivered on. And so, yeah, ultimately you burn yourself out in the long term. Now you're moving to Netflix, um, similar role, but you know, in, a different, in a different environment many of us know about netflix we watch netflix but most of us want to know what's it like working at netflix
0: um, i was actually talking to, uh, to some new joiners yesterday and what is great about working at netflix i think is really the company culture and what i mean by that is when i started at netflix my role was very similar to what i was doing before right, Uh, wider scope perhaps, different company, but very similar. What made the difference was really the team and how the culture of Netflix works. Um, One of my favorite elements to it is the freedom and responsibility piece, where we are free And empowered to make all the choices that we deem necessary for the best interests, uh, of course, of Netflix. And next to it, we have the responsibility to keep their best interests in mind. And this like when you see it, it's obvious. I mean, of course, you would approach your life that way, your work that way. But when it's stated out there in the culture memo, and when you see everyone living and breathing that culture, you you see how much power that has when it comes to creativity, when it comes to creating solutions that are different and that are outside of the box. So I really like that. And I also like the flexible working hours and re- And that's really based on the trust that we have in us. So, for example, if for some reason today, like our call, I will start a bit later, that's okay. Like, I don't need to, um, you know, take time off, seek for approval or any of that. As long as I get my job done, um, no one really cares when am I getting this job done. And I think that aspect of treating us like adults is what makes this uh, such a great workplace
1: yeah it sounds like an amazing place to work in and i have to say thank you netflix for enabling such flexible workouts so that melita can join our podcast so there we go uh, looking more at your role though i want to go back to your bio and just read one part and then i'm going to ask you to sort of explain to us what that means on a day-to-day level for for yourself so combining and i love this part by the way combining art and science always a favorite term for me combining art and science to equip the human resources team with the tools, the knowledge and data acumen to do the best work with our employees and our candidates. Can you tell us what that means uh, in various sort of layman's terms and what does that mean for you from a day-to-day perspective? Yeah.
0: Great question. So what that really means is um, talking to our um HR folks uh, and really under, seeking to understand what is that uh, that they want to achieve, right? Oftentimes um, they would reach out to me, "Hey, um, Milita, there's this uh, uh, problem with this tool. How can we make this work? Uh, how can we make this uh, happen in a more streamlined nature?" And then I really work closely with uh, with the team to understand what is it that they're trying to achieve, and then um, figure out. Uh, solutions to that and with art and science i mean that there's never a straight answer um, especially at netflix so the opportunities are infinite but you need to find an optimal solution for uh, that specific situation and uh, the science part is of course the analytics the data that we work with and the art is making our tools work the way we want them to um, making our tools serve the purpose we want them to all with them Um, best intention to create um, optimal experience for our candidates and our employees.
1: Now, I read somewhere that Netflix has somewhere in the order of 12,000 plus employees. So the company has grown significantly, to say the least, over these years. And I believe people like yourself are crucial to that growth because you're at that enabling point of that recruitment. What attributes and characteristics do you personally seek in candidates uh, when looking through let's say thousands of applications
0: great question i think one of them is definitely an entrepreneurial mindset and by that i mean we're seeking for um profiles that are able to you know disagree stand up for themselves uh, uh, create solutions uh, while thinking outside of the box and um, yeah really really a lot of uh, entrepreneurial mindset i think it's it's key to that because we are very empowered and with that empowerment uh, like to really leverage that and to really be successful and create value uh, the entrepreneurial mindset uh, is uh, is
1: key so from an intra- entrepreneurial mindset perspective uh, often you know people that listen to podcasts and other videos say entrepreneurial Uh, It definitely means I have to start a company, I have to do this. But entrepreneurial mindset means so much more uh, in the context of a large corporation. So from my perspective, I look at entrepreneurial, you know, taking initiative uh, you know, starting things and moving them along and so on. So the candidates that apply to Netflix, uh, are they expected to show previous experiences where they have led initiatives, where they've been uh, responsible for large processes, where they've resolved major conflict? Maybe just tell us a little bit about a couple of examples that would really stand out for some of our younger listeners who one day might be applying to get a job for a company like Netflix.
0: Yeah. Great question. I think it really depends on the, on the role um, that you're applying for. If you're applying in a creating environment, your portfolio, for example, may be sufficient, right? If you show your portfolio, show the work that you've done, um, that would be more than enough along, of course, uh, to some experiences to to stand up, right? Um, Applying in a creative way. So not just going through, just sending the application, but also try to find creative ways to stand out. Um, Send a video of yourself, Talking about something and like frame it as if it was a Netflix show or really try to look at what is it that the company is going through right now? How can I as an individual solve for them? Because every role uh, will be different and the requirements will be different. Right. But like you as an individual applying for a job, you bring a certain skill set, a set of experiences and showing the company how is it that you can bridge that gap and be meaningful and valuable to them, I think always that's, uh, sets applicants aside.
1: Anything else that you would say is highly important?
0: I would definitely look for someone who is open and receptive to feedback and has shown uh, in the past the ability to take that feedback on and really try to change based on that feedback because that's how we grow, right?
1: Absolutely. and I th- uh, For me, that's such an important part of what we also try to do in the foundation is we look at essentially, we don't look at your grades. We don't look at all of these other things that might be perceived as success. We look at one core thing and that is, are you coachable? And coachable, of course, an umbrella term means that you are able to receive feedback, um, that you can also pass feedback on to others. And that is such an important part of anyone's growth, uh, career growth or life growth in general. But we'd love to ask you from your perspective, what do you think effective feedback is in today's world? And how do we go about providing feedback without necessarily uh, undermining someone's ability to do a job? And
0: that's a great question, because uh, to your point, like feedback can be anything, but for it to be meaningful, it needs to be effective. Um, at business school, they were teaching us feedback technique. And I don't know if you know the, the sandwich <laughs> where like you, st- you start with something good and then you say something bad yeah, and then you close with go something good. <laughs> I mean, what a waste of time. My personal opinion around feedback is get to the point, give context and explain where you're coming from. So for example, like if in this call, you said um, something that was off to me, uh, I, I shouldn't start with, hey, Um, you were great at facilitating our conversation, but there was this, but by the way, you're really amazing at what you do, right? What is your key takeaway there? Nothing, because it's just a mess of concepts, but like it's, there's no clear line of what is it that Eddie needs to take away from this conversation. My ideal feedback is explaining where I'm coming from. So, Hey, this thing hurt me, or this thing is not good for the business or, I think this could this could butter the future of our project. And then explaining how would you would improve it, but really uh, taking away the you have done this and put it back on yourself, right? This is how this made me feel. Um, I think this could be done in a different way. What are your thoughts? But be clear about what the feedback is about, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, we, we see too many uh, managers at very high levels being very poor at providing that level of feedback, because my, I mean, all of my investigations have led to the fact that education has changed a lot and how we are provided feedback while we study has also changed a lot. So inherently we're a product of our environment. And in the long term, we practice what we've been taught over a long period of time. What's interesting is that these new and younger generations are very open or more open to feedback than what we've seen in the past. But what about all of the individuals that are, let's say, uh, veterans of the industry? Do you find that senior management can be a little bit more sharper with the type of feedback that they provide? And what do you think generally we can do to improve how that feedback comes from the top of the pyramid as well as other layers of the pyramid in the corporate structure?
0: Yeah, no, that's a great question because, I mean, the way a feedback culture develops in a company start really by those leaders that are leading by example, right? So I think there's a lot of uh, work that the learning and development groups within the organization can do when they do um, mentorship sessions to the leadership team and when they really help them through their um, yeah day to day. And them as individuals, I mean, If I receive a piece of feedback from a senior manager that really does not sit with me, um, then I think it's also my my responsibility and my duty to to voice that. Because if I don't do that, um, it's a missed opportunity for them to learn. Now, this is probably a very privileged perspective where I was working in companies where I was empowered and enabled to do so. That may not be the case everywhere. But at that point, like the question that com- would come naturally to me is, is this a place where I would want to be if I can't provide candid feedback to the leadership?
1: That's such, uh, I mean, I have, to, I have to praise you for saying that, because that culture of uh, giving feedback is not just from management to employees. It's also from employees to management. So that bi-directional feedback cycle which you don't see so often, and you're very right. If that environment is not what you're um, looking to work in, in, then perhaps that's not the right job for you. We need to be in environments where we can have that open, transparent approach to providing feedback to each other. And I think companies like that generally are the sort of places where people wish or want to or fight to work for. So I'm glad that you mentioned that uh, in that particular space. Um, Lastly, uh, uh, we're running out of time, really we are. Uh, I want to know, uh, have you been back to Bosnia recently and when you're planning to go there next?
0: I think it was 30 years ago, at least. Wow,
1: that's a
0: long Uh, time. So that's a long time. Look, I'm flying to Italy this evening and it could be um, that we may drive to Bosnia overnight and then come back on on Sunday with my dad. So, but to answer your question, I hope as soon as possible because it's been way too long.
1: Oh, I completely agree with that. And I think we have to get you to Bosnia uh, as soon as possible. And we'd love to host you in your professional uh, manner as well, not just from a leisure perspective, because a lot of people go there for a leisure perspective. We love to host uh, intelligent, successful bosnian Herzegovinians from all over the world, sharing that knowledge. And as you said, networking is key, connecting young, bright minds in Bosnia-Herzegovina with the minds, uh, greatest minds uh, in other parts of the world. Lelita, I just want to thank you so much for being a guest today. It's been a wonderful uh, experience talking to you and getting some of that insight uh, from your perspective. Also, I want to thank you for being part of our HR uh, expertise team in the Bosnia's Herzegovina Futures Foundation. We really appreciate the fact that you've also um, uh, lent us a helping hand and that students can learn directly from you and from this podcast, but also any initiatives in the future. It is
0: my absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much, Adi, for having me. This was super fun.
1: There you have, everyone. Another great podcast from Bosnia and Herzegovina Futures Foundation on Futures Voices. You had the pleasure of listening to Milita Kurtovic. She's at Netflix. She's doing incredible things, and you will definitely be hearing more about her in the near future. We hope to host her in the home country sometime in the near future, but we wish her all the very best uh, in her career. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>